this week on Inside Motorsport, we preview the Australian Formula One Grand Prix. I hope you'll stay with us. Lachlan Mansell joins us on the line and Lockie, a new era of Formula One kicks off this week at Albert Park. Yeah, g'day Craig. It's shaping up to be one of the most unpredictable seasons of Formula One in recent memory with the new technical regulations for this season, the smaller capacity turbocharged engines and the more sophisticated energy recovery systems and some of the changes to the aerodynamic regulations as well. The teams have had to completely redesign their cars for this season and I think you can throw the form guide from the past three or four seasons out the window and start from scratch because based on what we've seen in pre-season testing so far, the drivers and teams that have been front runners in the last couple of years may not be the same drivers that you'll be seeing winning races this year. Mm. Now, one of the big controversies this year has been the front wings and noses of these new cars. and That's right. Basically, it stems from the fact that the regulators introduced a uh, minimum height for the nose of the car, and that was done for uh, crash safety reasons, but aerodynamically it's actually an advantage to have them as high as you can. So that's why we've seen steps, noses, and now these weird anteater-looking things appearing on a lot of the cars this year, which um, a lot of people have criticised the appearances of this year's F1 cars, but I believe that if the racing's good, people will forget about how ugly the cars are. There are some good-looking cars this year, and I have to say the Lotus is looking good, but unfortunately for Lotus, I don't think they're getting the speed that they wanted out of the car. No, and in fact, that's a common theme for all of the teams that are running Renault engines for this year, which is Lotus, Red Bull, Toro Rosso, and also Caterham. Out of the three engine manufacturers, Lotus, Ferrari, and Mercedes, sorry, Renault, Ferrari, and Mercedes, it's the Renault-powered teams that have had the uh, least reliable uh, engines so far. And a lot of people did predict that there would be a lot of unreliability due to the vastly different engine configuration, but it seems that the Renault-powered teams have struggled more than most, particularly Red Bull. Sebastian Battelle and Daniel Ricciardo completed a lot fewer laps than most of the other teams, so that will leave them on the back foot heading into the start of the season. Mm. Now, Ferrari, of course, have got a two-pronged attack with two lead drivers. Of course, we've seen over the years Ferrari have never been a strong team with two number ones. That's right. It's typically been Ferrari's philosophy to have one clear number one driver and a clear number two driver, but they've adopted a different approach for this year, partnering Fernando Alonso and Kimi Raikkonen. And we've seen that when teams have paired two former champions in the past, often it's resulted in fireworks, think... Uh, Ayrton Senna and Alain Prost back in the McLaren days or even uh, Lewis Hamilton driving with Fernando Alonso at McLaren as well. So, yes, it'll be very interesting to see how it works. You get the feeling that Kimi Raikkonen might not care too much what happens, but Fernando Alonso, we see, finds himself finishing behind Kimi Raikkonen on um, you know regular occasions that uh, Alonso will probably care a great deal. So, yeah, it could be a pretty interesting rivalry between those two. 
Now, another interesting thing is the numbering convention for the World Drivers' Championship has completely changed with drivers now being able to pick the number they want to run for their career. That's right. So a lot of drivers have picked numbers that held special significance for them from their time in go-karts. The reigning series champion in Sebastian Vettel was allowed to use the number one, similar to what we see here in Australia in V8 supercars where the reigning champion gets the number one. And then you've got other drivers like Kimi Raikkonen who um, just said, well, I'll use the same number that I used last year because I can't be bothered changing it. Mm. Of course, Kimi Raikkonen uh, going with seven and Roman Grosjean going with eight. But Adrian Sutel, he's uh, decided, nah, bugger it, I'll have 99. Yeah, well, Adrian Sutil, another driver who, of course, has changed teams for this year, moved from his uh, long-time home at Force India to Sauber, and he's gone for the highest number that you're allowed to use because you're not able to use a three-digit number. Yeah, something that should be brought into V8 supercars, but I digress. One car that looks striking on the track, and that's the Martini Williams. And uh, fantastic to see that Martini livery back in motorsport. And it's been a very encouraging performance in testing for Williams as well. They're one of the teams that are running the Mercedes engines. And they had a pretty tough season last year at Williams, but um, in the past they've been a team that's shown to be able to adapt pretty well to changes in the technical regulations. And in their driver lineup of Felipe Massa and Valtteri Bottas, they've got a good mixture of experience and youthful exuberance. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a Williams driver on the podium at the Australian Grand Prix. Mm. Now, Toro Rosso have always been able to put together a very strong package. And interestingly, with Daniel Ricciardo going over to Red Bull, taking Mark Webber's spot at that team, they've brought in a young Russian driver. And it will be very interesting to see how, uh, I think it's Daniel Cravat, can uh, make his mark on Formula One. Yeah, if I can put on my best Russian accent, Danny Kibiet, who's uh, picked up that second Toro Rosso driver. He was very impressive in the GP3 Theta Series last year, Kibiet. Um, and if he can replicate that sort of form in F1, then I think he'll go a long way. But again, driving for the Toro Rosso team, who's been afflicted so far by similar problems to the parent squad of Red Bull Racing, that the cars haven't been running all that reliably. So might be a bit of a struggle for uh, Kvyat with his lack of experience behind the wheel of the Formula 1 car to get up to pace and he'll be relying on his more experienced teammate John Eric Byrne to show him the ropes. Now, it's interesting because the Adelaide Grand Prix years were seen as the turbocharge years. Now Melbourne has its turn of turbocharging with the V6 engines. Do you think we're going to see engines spinning at 15,000 RPM becoming hand grenades early in the season until they can get all the bugs sorted out? Uh, if you want my honest answer to that question, yes. Um, and in fact, I'll give you a couple of bold predictions for the Australian Grand Prix just based on what we've seen in testing. I think it will be a very high attrition rate. I think there will be a lot of mechanical failures. Uh, to be frank, I expect that both the Red Bull entries won't finish. And here's one for you. I reckon that either Caterham or Marussia will take advantage of some of that attrition to score points for the first time. Mm, well, Caterham really going to have a, an interesting season. What do you think of the pole position trophy that's going to be awarded to the driver who scores the most poles in a season? Oh, well, it's 
good recognition of the driver who does the best job in qualifying throughout the season and probably something that's been introduced to encourage drivers to have a bit more of a go in Q3, the final qualifying session of the weekend as well, because what we've seen particularly last year and the year before, or in fact since they've introduced the high degradation Pirelli tyres, is that drivers have been rather than necessarily going out and putting their best foot forward in that final qualifying session, they've elected to not actually run any laps at all for tyre conservation purposes, which is not good for the spectators who want to see red-hot battle for pole position. Now, Lockie, finally, uh, one thing that could become a factor in this race at uh, Melbourne is going to be the new penalties. And race stewards now having an option to hand out a five-second penalty for a minor infringement rather than giving them a uh, race-shattering drive-through penalty. Yes, so that's a good thing, isn't it? And it's something that we've seen locally in the V8 supercars as well, where for an infraction like a jump start, which may only gain you the advantage of less than a second, the penalty's not out of proportion with the offence. But the other interesting thing is that drivers are now going to accumulate points against their F1 super licences throughout the season for... um, racing incidents and any driver who accumulates 12 merit points will then be slapped with a one race ban so that's uh, something to keep an eye on throughout the season as well yeah well we're looking forward to kicking off this weekend at melbourne at the albert park circuit Lockie, we'll be looking forward to checking in with you right throughout 2014 Always a pleasure and looking forward to a very, very interesting 2014 F1 season. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Motorsport. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.